we are hoping to show you just what is possible out there in our strange and wondrous world. One of the dogs started to howl. Almost immediately, all 400 dogs that were there started to howl along with it. We travel for business. We travel for pleasure. The conditions can change so quickly, and it became very challenging to maneuver that kayak. We travel to expand our minds. Of course, the most dangerous animal in Africa is the hippo. More people are killed by hippos than anything else. Whether it's one state over. I was looking for a longer treatment, like 90 days, six months, and my treatment plan was to go hike the Appalachian Trail. Or halfway around the globe. This fantastic high desert. You watch the sky at night, so you just see the Milky Way and shooting stars. If the world's a book, why only read one page? I'm Elizabeth Hill, and you're listening to a WAMC Northeast Public Radio production. This is Postcards from the Road. Support for Postcards from the Road comes from CEFQ, serving banking, insurance, and investment needs with more than 30 branches across the greater capital region. Also offering assistance to local nonprofit organizations through CEFQ's community support program. CEFQ, changing lives every day. CEFQ.com. Antarctica is the coldest, driest, and windiest continent in the world. In 2014, Julie Diedrich, a molecular microbiologist from Virginia, set her sights on a trip there. Diedrich says she wanted to go to Antarctica because she wanted a unique travel experience to a desolate, remote area that not many people have seen. And she starts off by telling us how she got there. I actually booked the trip through uh, Adventure Life, and the tour operator was Cork Expeditions. Um, and so Adventure Life helped me sort of set up all my flights because it, it is uh, a bit difficult to get down there. You have to fly all the way down to the southernmost city in Argentina. Uh, you can also go out of Chile, uh, but I went out of Argentina. And then once you get down there, you get on the ship. The ship leaves out of Ushuaia. And then it is a two-day crossing of the Drake Passage before you get to the Antarctic Peninsula. So they helped me kind of book all the flights and all of that stuff because I did have to change airports in Buenos Aires. It all really went pretty smoothly. I was actually really impressed. It does take, you know, several days of travel, but that's to be expected. What type of stuff did they have you doing while you were down there? Uh, on the way down, because it's two days at sea, they have a lot of sort of specialists on board that give presentations. So, you know, they have a marine biologist, they have an ornithologist, uh, and they give presentations and sort of teach you about what you're going to see. Um, there's also a lot of sort of orientation. If you're going to participate in optional activities, then they need to get you set up for that. I did the kayaking, for example, so they had to kind of give us a little bit of instruction on how that was all going to work. You have to get fitted for gear. Um, they also give everyone uh, a parka and boots, and so you have to get fitted for that. So they have a lot of things that kind of keep you busy on the way down. And then once you get down there, they do, every day, they do Zodiac tours. Because they only allow, I think it's 100 people on shore at a time, they kind of split up the boat. And so they take half of us out cruising in Zodiacs to sort of look at wildlife and scenery, while the other half go on shore. And then after lunch, they switch 
that way everyone gets the opportunity to actually get out um, onto shore and they're still following the rules and regulations. And so once we went onto shore, we would walk around um, amongst penguin colonies, a little bit of hiking. You know, it, it was sort of up to us what we wanted to do really, but just kind of walk around, look around, um, a lot of wildlife to see. It was it was really spectacular. It far exceeded my expectations. A lot of people said, why do you want to go there? It's just a bunch of snow and ice. And I said, well, no, I think it's probably more than that. And it really was. Did you guys stay on land or were you mainly sleeping on the ship? Right. We stayed on the ship. Um, it's a about a 300 capacity size ship. So small ship sailing is, is what they refer to it as versus a very large, you know, 3,000, 4,000 capacity cruise liner. You really want to go um, on a smaller vessel because they can get in and closer to shore in places where the larger vessels can't go. I actually stayed in a cabin. I did a triple cabin. They matched me up with two other solo travelers, and the three of us um, shared a cabin, which really w- was the only way I really could afford to do the trip because it is a, a pricey trip, but that made it uh, doable for me, and that, that worked really well. And, you know, you don't spend a lot of time in your cabin. You're there to sleep and shower, and that's about it. The one other option they offered that I did in addition to the kayaking was camping. And so those that participated in that actually spent one night on Antarctica. I've read that on average the coldest part of the year is like negative 81 degrees Fahrenheit. When did you go and about how cold was it? So the season runs for for actually touring Antarctica uh, starts about November, I believe, and ends around March. I went towards the end of November into December, so about two weeks. That's their summertime, and the temperatures are in the 30s. Really, it, it was a lot warmer, I guess, than I expected it to be. I expected it to be much colder, um, but it really uh, was no colder than what it is where I live back home here in Virginia. Of course, if it was snowing and windy, you know, it made it feel colder. But, you know, I think the negative 80 is is in uh, their wintertime, so our summertime when you can't get down there anyway. I was actually surprised there were days when we went out and, you know, you're kind of hiking up some hills and, you know, you can take your coat off. So I was pleasantly surprised by that. Were you able to visit any of the research centers or were you guys mainly just on your own as part of the tour group? We didn't really visit any research centers. There's Port Lockroy. They have a post office there. But as far as actual research bases, no, we did not see any of those. Um, I think there are tours you can take where you can maybe visit some of those, but that was not a part of the tour I did. And what was your favorite part from a biology standpoint? Oh, definitely the wildlife. Just being able to get so close to the penguin colonies. Obviously, they tell you, you know, keep a certain distance. But if they come up to you, you know, just stand still and let them do their thing. And they do. I mean, they have absolutely no fear because they don't view humans as predators or as a threat. And so they really just go about doing their thing while you're there. And you can get so close and just really see the life of of a colony of penguins. And I really, really enjoyed that. We also saw uh, humpback whales on our way down um, and, of course, seals. That was my favorite part, but I'm a huge wildlife lover anyway, so most of my travel is usually centered around viewing wildlife. I've seen lots of pictures from your trip, and it just looked absolutely surreal. The scenery is amazing, and again, people think, well, it's just snow and ice, but 
the colors of the water with the glaciers and the icebergs and the blues you get, and of course the sunset, which the sunset never, com- you know, the sun never completely set while we were there. Um, it sort of went down and it got a little bit twilighty, and then it came back up. But yeah, you can get some really spectacular colors, and so that was also amazing. I mean, I saw things like uh, icebergs sort of spinning in the water, turning in the water, which was really unique, you know, didn't expect to see something like that. Mm-hmm. Saw a lot of sort of avalanches the the night that we camped. There were several kind of avalanches where you saw the snow rolling down the mountain and at first it's a little bit, you know, concerning and then you look over to where the guides are and they're not getting excited so you know, okay, we're safe, we're okay. <laughs> the landscape is just as spectacular as the wildlife is. So how long were you there? What was the duration of your trip? So the whole trip took about two weeks, and I was actually on the Antarctic Peninsula for about four days because, you know, you figure it's a two-day crossing of the Drake, so that's going over two days, coming back two days, and then a couple of travel days, you know, just flying, you know, um, getting down there. And so my time actually on the peninsula was four days, and we actually left a few hours early because there was a storm. So we wanted to try to, I guess, beat the storm which didn't happen. We ended up having to sail back through the storm on the Drake Passage. But all in all, it was about four days. What about food? I imagine you can't just walk into a restaurant in Antarctica. Right. So all of our meals uh, were on the ship. And, of course, you know, they load the ship up and they're prepared to be gone for the amount of time that we're going to be gone. And the food was absolutely spectacular. I mean, it was great. There was a main sort of dining room. And it was nice because... The expedition crew, the people that were taking us out every day and showing us everything, um, the Zodiac drivers, the guides, they all joined us for meals. And so we got to sit at tables and, and, and meet them and, and talk to them. And they sort of made their way around throughout the time to different tables to get to meet everyone and talk to everyone. And so that was really nice. But the food was very, very good. Um, I was actually impressed with how good it was. And did you have any time to spend in Argentina or Chile? I know you said you flew in through Argentina. Yeah, I did, actually. So I got into Ushuaia uh, the day before the ship sailed. So we got to, I got to kind of explore the town there of Ushuaia, which was nice. And then the next day, um, the ship didn't sail until about 4 p.m. And so I had a roommate at the hotel. They set us up since I was a solo traveler. Again, they put me with another solo uh, in the hotel room. And so we just went out and explored the little town of Ushuaia and got a bite to eat. And and that was really nice, too, to to get to see a little bit of Argentina. Um, That was about all I got to see, though, because my time in Buenos Aires Aires was really just getting from one airport to the other. Although I did get to kind of see a bit of the city because of the traffic. It was about a two-hour, took about two hours to get over there. But as far as actually getting out and about, that I just got to do that in Ushuaia. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add? Probably something I would like to share would be my kayaking experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I was very nervous about it. And because I didn't have a lot of experience kayaking, I had only ever kayaked on a river. And when I travel, I always like to try to do something that kind of puts me outside my comfort zone a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I was going to do the sea kayaking. They do give you a little bit of instruction and all of that, but I was most definitely a beginner. 
so the very first day, of course, they always check the conditions and decide, you know, is it suitable for us to go out? So the very first day, we got ready to go, and everybody got in their gear, and, you know, you get in the Zodiacs, and, and they have to, of course, lower the uh, kayaks down off the ship into the water, and so everybody gets out there and gets into the kayaks, and all of a sudden, the conditions changed, and that's the other thing about Antarctica, is the conditions can change just so quickly, and it started snowing, and the wind picked up, and it was it became very challenging to maneuver that kayak, especially since I just wasn't that experienced. And we were kind of kayaking around, you know, just off the coast, off the shore, shoreline, and we had to kind of go around a turn. It seems like no matter how hard I paddled, I just could not get around this turn, and the wind was just pounding. And the guides were so amazing. You know, they stayed right with me. They talked me through it. They encouraged me. You know, they they didn't want me to give up. And you could at any time. You could say, hey, I'm done. And they would send a, a Zodiac over to pick you up and take you back to the ship. But thanks to them, you know, I got through it and made it to the end. And I have to say that's something that I'm actually really proud of that I got through because it was a little bit scary, too. The wind was causing the waves and the ocean to become a bit rougher. And, of course, you don't want to tip over yeah. in water that cold. But it was it was an exciting experience, a little scary. I'm glad I did it. After that, you know, I went out again multiple times. And, of course, the conditions were never quite like that. And they did tell me after we got back to the ship, they said, you know, if the conditions had been that way before we set out, we would not have gone out. So they said, you should really be proud of yourself for making it through that because it was a bit of a challenge. I would definitely recommend anyone that, that's going to travel um, down there to try something like that, to do the kayaking. And they offered other things like, uh, I think, cross-country skiing, some, some maybe rock climbing that you could um, that you could sign up to do as well. But that was my personal experience with the kayaking. And again, the guides were just amazing, very professional people. Now, in one of the, because I have also, I've been pricing trips to Antarctica. And one of the tour companies I was looking at offered a polar plunge. Yes, um, they do that. Every, I think all of them do. And they actually did the polar plunge on my ship. And I chickened out. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like insanity to me. I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it because... You strip down to your bathing suit, and it's not like you just take a step outside and jump in. You have to actually walk, you know, down metal stairs, down all the way to the bottom. Then you have to wait while they put a belt around your waist, you know, um, with rope attached to it. And then you get to jump in. So you have to be out there in, in the temperatures and the wind and the cold and your bathing suit and and that's why I chickened out. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, I think if it had been sort of like, okay, I walk outside and jump right in and, and come back out, I probably could have done that. But um, no, I did. I chickened out. There were a lot of people that did it, though, but it was very, very cold. <laughs> yeah, jumping into what? Like, I've jumped into water in the Adirondacks in, like, February, and I lose my breath. Like, it just takes your breath right away when you jump into water that cold. Yes, yeah, and that's why I just... I, I really, I told myself I was going to do it before I got down there. But then once I saw, um, you know, really what was involved, I thought, you know what, I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> Postcards from the Road is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. I'm your host and producer, Elizabeth Hill. 
Our theme music is Cherry Blossom Wonders by Kevin McLeod. As always, if you like what you hear, subscribe on your audio app of choice. Visit wamcpodcasts.org for more information. If you would like to share your travel story with WAMC, email us at postcards at wamc.org.